Hello and welcome to Crofting Matters. My name is Siobhan MacDonald and this is the Farm Advisory Service series where we discuss topics that matter in crofting. As many of you will know, subsidy is changing in 2025, but there are also new schemes that you can take advantage of now. Today, I am joined by Willie Budge, who works for SAC in Thurso, and Jeanette Sutherland, who works for SEC in Portree. Hello, both. Hello. Hello. Thanks for joining us on this Farm Advisory Service podcast, all about issues that matter in crofting. Can I kick off, Jeanette, with a question about conditionality? I hear the phrase, what does it mean? Conditionality is this new piece of jargon that we're all going to have to start getting used to. But it shouldn't cause as much fear as maybe it sounds, because the subsidies that we get at the moment, we get them on condition of doing certain things. Like, for example, BPS, we need to have certain stocking densities on different amounts of land. And the new support schemes that are going to come in also have different conditions and we'll be talking about them more later but they'll be designed to help meet some of Scottish government's aims to do with like tackling the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis. We're going to maybe need to readjust a wee bit. Meeting conditions to get our support payments is what crofters have been doing all along. The scheme that's available just now that's a conditional scheme is called Preparing for Sustainable Farming or PSF. There's a couple of strands to it. What's the animal health and welfare strand about? The animal health and welfare strand can be dealt with on its own. There's a list of options of things that you can do. And these are simple actions that you can take alongside your vet and that the government will pay you for. So the most basic example would be if you had a sheep flock and you did uh, alongside your vet, dung samples to test for worms and dung samples to test for fluke that would involve you getting paid 250 for each action and for the professional development you'd be doing alongside your vet another 250 pounds so in year one you can get 750 pounds for something that will not only help you manage your sheep better because you'll be using doses at the right time and preventing resistance building up But also, if you're not using doses when you don't need it, there's actually benefits for wildlife as well. And who's eligible? For that scheme, we think that everybody who has a BRN, which is a business reference number, is eligible. I have taken part in it myself. I took some worm samples from my lambs and I would normally have given them uh, drench. So I took the worm samples and within two days, I think it was, I got results back from the vet and it turned out that I didn't need to worm. So I s- saved a gather of all 15 lambs, <laughs> but it did save time and also I didn't worm them when I didn't need to. So it was quite straightforward and I need to go back though with a form to get that filled in by the vet. I think that the vet has to sign it off before I can make the claim. Yeah, it's quite a simple claim process, but for each action, you do need the expert form signed off. So you've done one that's the worms option. In the first year, you can up to, do up to two. Have you had a thought yourself what second option you're wanting to do? I think I'll probably do fluke because I've got cows as well. So I think that the fluke would definitely be best because I've got lots of wet pasture. 
And I know there are lots of other options as well. The lameness one might be quite a handy one to do too, but certainly worms and fluke are quite simple. I know of clients that have done the bull semen testing option, which is very important for crofters who don't use the commission bulls and are mm-hmm. relying on their own bulls being fit to work. And Willie, can I ask you, what are the other strands of the PSF scheme and what are the benefits in doing it? The other strand is a carbon audit and soil sampling. You have to do the carbon audit in order to get your soil sampling paid for on actual costs. And as Jeanette said about the animal health and welfare, there's also a development payment as well. So there's a £250 development payment as well for you to spend some time reading up about soils and fertilisers. The carbon audit is something that you can do yourself or you can get an advisor to do it for you. It seems quite a big thing when you think about carbon audit, but it's actually it's looking at one year of your business and it can be divided into three parts. So your, your land and crops, your livestock and your energy and waste. As much as it may or probably will be part of your conditionality in the future, it can also be used as a bit of an efficiency tool as well to see where you are. So quite a lot of our crofters have, have found it interesting to when they actually tally up what feed they've bought, what fuel they've bought, and they realise that they've actually used more fuel than they thought they had in the croft, and they've also maybe used more feed as well. So it's quite a good exercise even preparing to do one because you're you're looking at what you've used, and once you've done it then, you can also do a bit of benchmarking as well. So you can maybe see areas where you've used maybe a lot more purchased feed than other crofters that are have got hill sheep flock or upland flock or whatever it might be, it's quite good in terms of benchmarking maybe for your business to see areas that you can improve on. Once you've done your carbon audit then, you've also got the soil sampling side of things as well. So it's an excellent chance to get all your croft possibly soil sampled, not costing you anything, gives you a good baseline of where you are and especially it might help in future conditionality. We don't know for sure. It'll also help you in terms of what you're actually going to be putting on your, your fields. So cost of fertilizer, even to cut down half a ton of fertilizer is um, quite a sizable amount as well. Any improvements you can make across the business at this time with input costs going up so much can only be beneficial. There's quite a lot of benefits in terms of doing the carbon audit and then subsequently doing your, your soil sampling as well. And how do you go about doing a carbon audit? The program that I would use or I've used is AgriCalc and you can sign up for free and do it yourself and then you need to get mitigations by a, an approved advisor or you can get an approved advisor to do it for you. So there's funding available for getting the carbon audit done. So the advantages of doing it just now would be that in the future if you have to do one you've already had one done and the agriculture program allows you to make a copy. So if you've done one in 2023, you could well go in in 2025 and do a copy and a lot of your information would be there. So it would be a case of going through it and maybe changing some of the information. Your, your livestock numbers obviously would change. Um, hopefully your deaths would change and reduce. And you may have made some improvements since your original carbon audit. There's an advantage of, of doing it beforehand. And as I said earlier, when you're looking to get all your information ready for a carbon audit, it also helps you as well. So 
you're really just looking at your 12 month period. You'd be looking at purchases of stock, sales of stock, how much hay you've made, or maybe how much hay you've bought in, how much diesel or petrol you've used in the croft, electricity. But there is sheets you can download that can tell you exactly what you need to, to look over. And some of it won't be applicable. If you don't grow crops, then maybe you don't spray. Some parts of carbon audit you can bypass. And agriculture is quite easy to use. At the moment, any crofters that we've had that wanted to do one themselves have found it quite good, but it is actually going to get improved and it will be released in October on the cloud. So it should be even easier to use in the future. If it's on the cloud, do you need good internet access to be able to do it? Yeah, good internet access would be a help, certainly. Although in saying that, it's something that you're going to be taking your time going through all the screens, so it's not something that you're maybe going to be in a rush to, to get through and you can do so much at a time. You maybe one night you could go on and do your, your land and crops sections, next night do your livestock, and the following night do your energy and waste. It's one of these things that you can do at your leisure if you want to do it yourself. And you could, in, in theory, work out all your figures as you're going along, or you could do it offline, have all your figures, and then do it all online at one time. Like anything, I suppose, it's better to have good internet access if possible. And if you do it yourself, does that count for the PSF or do you have to get an advisor to write up a report on the back of it? Yeah, you'd still need to get a, an approved advisor to, to write up a mitigations report on the back of it to, to get your funding, but you'd still be able to do the actual carbon audit yourself if you wanted to as well. But you just need to get the report okay. done when you go to claim it. And if you've done the carbon audit, then you can go ahead and do the soil sampling. Do you have to do a carbon audit before you do the animal health and welfare options? No, you could do your animal health and welfare options separately. Just for soils, you need the carbon audit? Soils need carbon audit, yeah. When you're doing the soil sampling, that's just limited to the Region 1 ground, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it would be Region 1 ground on your single application form of that year. You're up to sort of £300 worth for a smaller croft under 50 hectares you would be £300 worth of soil sampling, which would probably cover you pretty well for your croft, I would have thought. And you also have your development payment on top yeah. of that as well. It, it's one of these things where you're maybe not looking at making money out of it, but more look at the benefits that you can get, obviously, from getting all your soil sampling done and having that. You know, if um, you're going to do reseeding or whatever it might be on your, on your croft, having all that soil sampling information and it might even let you have a strategy of which fields you want to attack first and improve first, dependent on their soil sample results as well. Willie, you said about the development payment. Do you get tested on that for both the animal health and welfare and for the soils, the, the £250 development payment? How does that work? No, there's no written or oral examination for the development payment it's basically that you have spent time reading up on so if it's for the animal wealth and health and welfare it'll be on uh, these subjects if it's on the soils it's on soils fertilizers um, there's no evidence when you put in your claim so when you go online to claim say for instance for the soils you'd have your soil results you'd have to upload you'd have your invoice for your soils you'd have to upload but the development payment is, is paid automatically. The system just knows it's your first claim. So you only get it the first year that you claim. 
and subsequent years, so if you were to claim in 2023 for soils, you would get a development payment in 2023. If you had more soils to claim in 2024, you would get your payment for the soils. There's no development payment then in future years. It's only for the first year. And there's no evidence. You don't have to upload any evidence for either of the development payments. It's just that you've actually gone in and done it yourself. One thing to add for doing the claiming for the carbon audit and the soils is that for that aspect, they do look for bank statements. So if you do online banking, make sure that you can print off a statement that shows the name and account information. The rest of your expenditure can be redacted, of course, just so that they've got a line that matches the invoice costs. But I don't think that's actually required for the animal health and welfare items, the evidence is the expert form. So the PSF is an example of conditionality and how things might be in the future. One of the other phrases that I hear is just transition. What does that mean? I think the just transition is the the concept that the whole world is going to have to make a lot of changes if we're going to tackle the challenges of climate change. There's going to be like the economies are going to have to decarbonize. And so a just transition is trying to ensure that there's uh, nobody left behind and there's important mitigations put in if, if industries have to change. I think this is the the Scottish government are trying to ensure that any changes that agriculture is being asked to do are being supported and the PSF, both the carbon auditing, the soil sampling and the animal health and welfare actions are all part of that support to help the industry being able to reduce its overall carbon footprint. And we'll go on to talk, I'm sure, about in the future, it won't just be focused on carbon and efficiency. There's also going to be work done on uh, wildlife and habitats. On that, the talk of the different tiers that are going to appear in 2025, can you explain what each of these are, Willie, and how they'll work in terms of subsidy payments and advice? At the moment, we're still waiting to get more details on the four tiers, but what looks from the outside at the moment is that tier one would be a continuation of what we have just now in terms of basic payment scheme, which would include conditionality, as Jeanette has spoken about earlier. Tier two could be something like a menu scheme that we had before, with land managers options and land managers contracts in the past. Potentially tier two could be something like that. Tier three could potentially be an environmental type scheme like we've got at present, the agri-environment climate scheme. And tier four potentially could be LFAS or its continuation or the beef calf scheme or the UHOG scheme as well. So at the moment, we don't have definitive answers for the tiers, but that's reading between the lines that that's what the four tiers look like. The main one would be tier one, which would be continuation of basic payment scheme or whatever it might be called in the future, as well as the conditionality as aspect. But there's a lot of finer details to come yet. Conditionality is potentially 50% of your payment would be based on you meeting these conditions. But the big question probably for most farmers and crofters would be that, what is that 50% of? Is it of your current BPS or is it 50% of what your future BPS may be? And would there be any slicing 
top slicing of that to fund other things. So lots of answers to come yet, but that would appear to be the four potential tiers as far as we've got just now. Could there potentially be an exemption for smaller farms and crofts that they perhaps wouldn't have to meet all the conditionality that maybe larger farms would would be because you know they may have the same costs a big farm or a small croft may have the same cost to meet all the conditionality um, but obviously they would have very different payments to come could there be maybe some sort of grazing cattle grazing or different specifications for smaller places under a certain hectare or under a certain payment you know so there's as i say there's lots of answers to come yet but we're trying to guess what potentially is going to come but i think there, there is going to be conditionality without a doubt in in what form is that going to take and how costly is it going to be to the farmer and crofter another option of course that the policymakers could use for smaller units would be to have and here's another amazing bit of jargon degressivity which is where they really front load the payment so like the first couple of hectares might have a really high payment compared to the others likely looking like they're going to be under strain in the future it's likely that uh, there will be some element of capping so really big farm units will have some level of capping as well so there's still a fair bit to be clarified when it comes to to budgets and to how it'll work on different scales of units I think. There's word of a whole farm plan as well. Do you think that everybody will have to do a whole farm plan and what's involved in it? Whole farm plan potentially could be a carbon audit, some sort of biodiversity plan for your, your place, maybe some sort of animal health and welfare for your place. But it does come under the potentially at the moment it, it looks very likely that biodiversity plans and carbon audits would be a definite in some sort of whole farm plan or whole croft plan. It remains to be seen things like how often would you have to do it at the moment for the PSF, for instance, if you've had carbon audit within the last three years, that covers you for your soil sampling. You know, in future, potentially, would it be once every three years for your carbon audit or would it be every second year or maybe even every every year? I think the whole farm plan is probably a, a definite to come in, but I think what's exactly in it and how often you'd have to do the things that are in it would be the things that would be up for further clarification. On the biodiversity side, Jeanette, what do you think the whole farm plan might include? There's a lot of work going on on piloting this and testing this, so we don't exactly know. But I think uh, I think wildlife is going to be given a lot of importance because biodiversity is as big a crisis as climate. So there is going to be work on it. It seems like it's likely that there'll be some form of habitat mapping. So for a crofter, you might get supported to identify maybe where areas of blanket bog are on your apportionment or a small area of uh, hedge or scrub, maybe a an area species rich obviously um those in the outer isles uh, mapping uh, your macher areas with all the beautiful wildflowers in some ways it could be a very positive thing for crofting because crofting is known as a high 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 value nature 
high nature value system. Which way does it go? Uh, HNV high nature value system. It's important. It's good in some ways that that will be recognised in the subsidy system. There might also be an aspect of um, not just mapping where the habitats are, but somehow measuring the quality of those habitats. And there could be links to future funding in that way, but there's still a lot to play for and a lot of work to be done on that. For the biodiversity audit, do you think it's something that crofters will be able to do ourselves or will we need an expert to come in and have a look? How will it work? We honestly don't know, but I think the Scottish Government is keen that crofters and farmers will do it themselves. I think that there's going to be um, work on trying to, that's what's been piloting at, piloted at the moment. They're trialling in different areas with using an app to both map and score the quality of habitats. So I think that's the thought, but of course, for crofters, there's time pressures to be considered. Uh, because a lot of crofters have off-croft employment at the time where if you're looking for wildflowers at a time that a lot of them are flowering, that's when you're under a lot of time pressure for things like shearing, gathering, sales and things like that. I can imagine a lot of crofters taking a variety of options to try and meet these conditions depending on their own circumstances. I've been trying out some apps recently on my phone to see whether it helps with ID and there are amazing apps now you can scan a take a photo of something and it tells you exactly what wildflower it is or listens to birdsong and tells you what bird it is there's a lot of new technology out there that can help with these things as well key thing is you've got to remember that these schemes won't be relying on you becoming a botanist overnight they like for example a lot of the time they'll group flowers so you won't need to know exactly but you might need to identify that you've got yellow composites rather than getting into the weeds, <laughs> terrible pun, of all the different uh, species. So I don't think I, I don't think it should be something that should be seen as a, a total fear factor. And if people are interested in the biodiversity on their crofts at the moment, they could apply for a FAS-funded biodiversity specialist plan. That might give them a wee bit of a head start on knowing what they've already got and maybe towards building up some of their skills and confidence in this area. And if we're doing whole farm plans or whole croft plans, what about grazing shares? What Do we have any sense of what might happen with grazing shares? Common grazings are going to be a challenge when it comes to conditionality because um, for an in-by croft, you as a crofter have full control. So if you chose to do actions on that piece of land, you would have full control and you'd be the same as any other farmer in the in the country. When it comes to common grazings, there's complications because you don't have any set area. Uh, by its very nature, you're managing it in common under the auspices of a common grazings committee. I hope that as part of the development process uh, that the Ariob and everyone's involved in, that due attention will be given to trying to work out how conditionality can work for the graziers that use common grazings because for example where I work the majority of many people's claims is made up of land that's on common grazings rather than land that they have total control over and there's often like from a carbon storage there's a lot of peat on common grazing so they're very valuable for the country from that point of view and there's obviously an awful lot of wildlife it would be important that they got 
properly included to help meet Scottish Government's goals as well. One other aspect you mentioned earlier just at the start about conditionality as an example, the beef calf scheme. Do we have a sense of what's going to happen with beef calf scheme in the future? Beef calf scheme, potentially, there may be restrictions on payments based on calving interval. That would be your favourite cow, your pet cow being kept. I think Jeanette, she has a pet cow that maybe hasn't calved for a few years. If she was to calf this year, if his changes do come in, then potentially Jeanette wouldn't get paid on that calf because the calving interval would be too long. The other thing we don't know just now is what would the cut-off point be for the calving interval? Could it be 380 days? Could it be 400 days? Or for Jeanette's pet cow, 1,500 days? That's where we have to wait and see. But it does look like calving intervals will come in. And again, it's a bit like your carbon audit because it's, it's going to maybe drive efficiencies that people would actually be inclined to get rid of these tail end cows that are maybe having two calves every three or four years, but they're kept because they're, they're maybe favourites or they've had a good calf years ago. As much as it could help you in terms of getting your payment for beef calf scheme, it also may help you just become a bit more efficient as well. So there's it's a two-pronged approach, I would say. I would say that the increase in the cull values has re- helped drive efficiency in that level too. Don't you think, really? When people are getting a decent amount of money for their barren cows, it's a much easier decision to get rid of them, even if they are your favourite pet, than if you were getting a very low value for them. Yeah, it's definitely made a big difference, and it's made farmers and crofters look at their herd and think, the cow that was maybe kept, even if she had a calf, but maybe it was a poor calf, she'd still get another chance. Whereas now with the cull prices so good, these types of cows are now being culled. But the only problem is maybe they're not being replaced. That's the maybe the downside to the, the size of herds are, are definitely decreasing, certainly up with us. And in Caithness, there's definitely cow herds are, are coming down because people are getting rid of these inefficient cows, but they're not actually replacing them with heifers or other cows. They're actually just getting rid of them and, and it's uh, the size of herd is definitely retracting now. Um, but in saying that, if, it, if you're getting rid of inefficient cows, it's it's a good thing as well, to be honest. Yeah. And how would people want to look up if they wanted to see their uh, herd stats cur- calving interval? Because we can do that now, can't we? Yeah, you can look on Scott EID and, and look at that just now, yeah. I think, have you done it, Jeanette? Yes, it was not as bad. The, the pet cow maybe put it a wee bit wrong, but it was not very bad. It was 388 days, so work to do. <laughs> That's okay. That You should be okay at that. Yeah, I'm at... Uh at uh, 372 days. I do only have two cows though. The other change I wanted to ask about was the change to the Croft House grant scheme. What's happening with that? I think it's been improved recently. Similar topic of what we've been talking about, um, about climate change. So what's a, a big change recently is that there's a lot more funding for uh, making crofters own homes more insulated, more fuel efficient. And there's also a uh, support for heating systems and water, heat water systems. But there's a new emphasis on that they should be zero emissions unless that there's evidence that you can pr- provide to show that um, that kind of system wouldn't work on your house due to its type of construction or age. So it's a real, it's been given a sort of uh, big boost in funding but it's also going to uh, got extra conditions for 
climate change in it as well. Fuel poverty is a huge issue in the Highlands and Islands. So if you've got a house that is um, at all drafty or if your fuel bills are causing you any anxiety and you are a crofter, it's definitely something to look at and to see whether it's something that could make both your life more comfortable under less economic strain and also you'd be helping the uh, Scottish government meet its climate change targets. The only thing that you need to watch is if you do say run a bed and breakfast then you wouldn't be eligible for the improvement grants in your house. So that's something too that crofters will have to weigh up the pros and cons of that. It's a good scheme whether you're building a new house and now if, if you're wanting to improve your house. So well worth looking into for sure. So looking ahead to 2025, when there could potentially be some quite big changes, what are your top tips for crofters to prepare their business? I think the top tip would be to take advantage of the PSF just now and get your soils done, get a carbon audit in place. And that is definitely going to help you when we do change, whenever we do change, because you're going to have that baseline of your soils and you're also going to have a baseline carbon audit that you can use to your advantage in the future as well. I think people should definitely consider the animal health and welfare options, because even if you have a very small herd or flock, you'll get the benefits from better discussions with your vet and having a bit of targeted information, whether that's from the parasite load or the lameness or the bull fertility. So I think that seems a, a, a very sensible thing that will help you um, design the best future for your um, herd and your flock. I'm very interested in wildlife, <laughs> but I do think that some of the the jargon for wildlife can be kind of uh, off-putting to crofters. So if people are thinking, you know, what is a habitat? I have no idea what I've got on my croft. The FAS funded biodiversity specialist plan could be a really useful thing just to uh, take away some of the fear factor and actually learn about some of maybe the hidden gems that you have on your croft. And this also is something that common grazings could look at as well. Thank you both for a clear explanation. I know it's very difficult when you don't know what's coming, but it's really good to get some top tips to prepare our businesses for 2025. No, thank you. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. If you have any topics you'd like covered on this podcast, then please do get in touch and please subscribe to hear the next episodes and also have a look at some of our other FAS podcasts, Thrill of the Hill and Stop Talk, which have lots of good and timely information which will be of interest to crofters and hill farmers. The Farm Advisory Service Podcast. Audio advice on livestock, crops and soils, environment, rural business and more. Brought to you in association with the Scottish Government.